I think I was like three or something like that or two or three and I set up like a little still life with my toys like I had a toy Minnie Mouse and like I set her up on a stool and drew her with that like etch-a-sketch toy (laughs) and like (laughs) my parents were like oh my god we're so proud of her and they took a picture of it and like on the back of it says Lindsay's first drawing. This is Commonplace, the show about creative people and the things that inspire them. I'm Nathan Thomas. Before I introduce this week's guest and in regards to West Virginia lawmakers banning abortion, I want to quote the executive director of West Virginia Free, Margaret Chapman Pompanio. She says, quote, This bill has been ramrodded without listening to stakeholders like healthcare providers and people who need reproductive care. House and Senate leadership are allowing a radical contingent in their caucus to drive this dangerous attack. It's completely out of step with what West Virginians want and need. End quote. Donate, if you can, to organizations like Holler Health Justice and the Women's Health Center of West Virginia, who will continue to provide crucial health services to its patients. Today on the show, we have Lindsay Emmett. You may know them as Bashful Beat Press. She's a familiar face at any arts vending event in the Huntington area. During our conversation, we talk about making friends and networking in local art scenes, where they find inspiration from, and how making art to invoke joy in a world like ours is a radical act. I was so scared. I had to look away and like cover my eyes. (laughs) When that guy like brought the chainsaw out, I was done. I was like, no. I was standing beside the singer-songwriter Abe Partridge (laughs) and uh, this fight this wrestling match they got out of the ring and started like fighting on the pavement yeah and a guy (laughs) did like a suplex on the pavement ow and this was after he had climbed up onto the bed of a pickup truck and jumped off of the tailgate onto a guy oh my goodness that's terrifying came over to watch it with me and within a couple of minutes you just had to be like no I can't do this <laughs> I appreciate the art of it and I think that because I was having that reaction is a good sign like they were selling yeah there it was theater it was beautiful it's the greatest form of life theater it's theater it's sports when it's you agreed absolutely terrifying when you agreed to do this did you think that we would get to pro wrestling within three minutes? Of um, I did starting? not, but you know, I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, you've done a lot of these like vending events where you're set up with your art over yeah. the past year, year and a half. Is that the weirdest sideshow that you've had to the, you know, the vending event itself or has something else that's like equally odd or like, does anything else stand out like Um, that honestly you know I actually I went to a high strangeness event in Lake Erie Pennsylvania and I will have to say the wrestling was a little bit more shocking to me but I mean there were basically men in black at that show so it was um it was really cool (laughs) it was really really cool um 
like smallest amount of stuff I've ever sold, but I, I made a lot of money that day. Um, I was really shocked. <laughs> like, um, I just took like the like corner of my friend's booth and, um, I sold like my Elvira print and then my cryptid stuff and it did surprisingly well. I was like, well, that's shocking. But, um, yeah, there were little green aliens there. There were like tarot readers and, um, it was a really interesting, cool, like weird in a good way event. (laughs) But I will have to say the backyard wrestling was a very like jarring sort of thing. (laughs) you know you mentioned the like eerie event and that's one of those things where it's very like heavily based around cryptids which is a world that you do work in in between like cryptid fest there was the uh the brexton county bigfoot festival was that it, it yeah it was the bigfoot it, festival the big in White sutton f- west virginia Fe- big White, the bigfoot <laughs> festival in sutton and um also cryptid bash there in morgantown it seems like the whole cryptid art universe is this place where you've been able to to find a footing in yeah it's kind of crazy because like my work is very like i don't know i i want to say kind of wholesome in a sense (laughs) so the fact that my cutesy kind of um cryptid designs like have a place in that community just like blows my mind but yeah um, I didn't actually set up at Cryptid Bash but I secured my spot for next year so I will be there next year Um, but a really amazing community tight-knit like really lovely people they're all very welcoming and lots of talent so (laughs) it's really cool I've been able to like meet people in that kind of world that I never expected to like get my foot into (laughs) so how important are events like that and vending events in general? Like, how important are them to networking as an artist? I think they're incredibly important um, because I I, th- I would say as an artist, I don't necessarily have a niche. I have a style, but I have several different avenues that I dabble into. Um, so I think if you can find like like commonalities and try to schedule festivals around that i think you know networking is very important if you're able to travel do it um i love local events i love hanging out with my friends at you know loopy fest or um second saturday markets they're all very important but i think if you're able to definitely get out of your comfort zone I love making friends. <laughs> like, um, so I think going to these events that are a little further away and networking is not only important for, you know, like your professional life. <laughs> um, I, I suppose it's like really important for your mental health as well because you get to meet people and have fun and then you, you have more friends. So <laughs> you're, you're like, you're expanding your circle essentially and I I find in these groups of people that you know they're all very supportive and friendly Um, I think people are afraid to meet new people they shouldn't be shouldn't be it was overall people be actually very 
warm and welcoming. <laughs> Will you expand your circle just in terms of like other artists you can meet and hang out with, but you also expand your circle in terms of people that you can sell your work to. If you do constantly, if you constantly do vending events in Huntington, then at a certain point, even if you do constantly get new stuff and new paintings yeah. or whatever, <laughs> at a certain point, you're going to sell something to everyone that you're going to sell something yeah. to. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of what I've run into with vending in Huntington. I adore Huntington. I love the local art scene, but I notice like the same people come to the events in small town nature. We all want to support each other. Um, but yeah, I find that, you know, it's important to travel at least 50 miles outside of what you're comfortable with, um, because those people haven't seen your work. So you definitely want to keep trying to find ways for people to see your work and get familiar with it. <laughs> you mentioned that, you know, you said, I have this style and you work within like certain avenues within that style, but how would you describe that style? Um, so I have always kind of been told like in school or, or like, you know, by other artists that I have a very painterly style. So I use a lot of brush strokes when I'm drawing. I use a lot of cross hatching. It's kind of a messy but neat style. It's kind of like, I don't know, um, it's tailored, but it's still kind of messy, and um, I'm not afraid to add on layers and kind of get messy and that sort of thing <laughs> when I'm working. Like, um, I'm I'm currently most familiar with um, gouache and watercolor, and with that, you kind of have to have a level of patience, but I definitely always have a hair dryer on hand because <laughs> I get a little impatient and I just tack on layers and blend and destroy the paper. Um, but I would say, like, I don't know. I, I feel like I have elements of, like, cottage core, and then um, eh, I'm not really sure. <laughs> but if you see my stuff, you know it's mine. But I would say I have, like, a tiny, kind of put my printmaking stuff next to my paintings. I would say they have commonality still, like the drawing style and all that kind of, like, loose, um, lots of lines and that sort of thing. We went to Soraya's printmaking workshop yes. there a couple months ago, and you would told me that that was your first time since like what college doing yeah that sort of like printmaking and where you're actually like carving into a piece of linoleum uh, how did it feel to like go back to those skills did it feel very natural to be able to you know get those knives in your hands and just start carving yeah so Oh, man. Um, Saray is an amazing local artist, by the way. I, I'm a huge fan of Bible Camp. <laughs> like, their art collective is so, like, quirky and fun and experimental. 
um, and they promote play. And I, I think I love that. But I think going into that environment as opposed to an academic environment that I was in like nine years ago, um, it felt so good to just go and not feel like that pressure to create something curated I could just go and use the carving tools in a very natural playful sense and it it was like I got emotional (laughs) over that like that was so much fun and it felt so good to like realize hey I can do this um outside of academic terms so um it was a very good day that was a very very good day I'm glad that she did that (laughs) well tell us one that we were going to go hang out the riverfront and then I just saw it you know yeah through the feed and I was like hey what if we did this instead and the thing that was and I think I might have mentioned this to you before the thing that you know as your friend made me feel a lot of pride was it seemed like you know just the moment you started carving in that kind of like rush of confidence almost came through yeah it came back like it all came back and I was like whoa I thought I forgot this skill and then when I helped you um do the actual like pressing onto to a piece of paper after you inked it up and everything like that look that you had as you pulled back the layers uh to see you know the the printed piece on paper (laughs) It just seemed like you were really proud of yourself in like a very <laughs> earned way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It was like I I know like Saray was like, wow, she's kind of crazy, <laughs> but like <laughs> I was just like I was like I felt so like happy. Like it was it was just a really it was a very good moment. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you to her for having that workshop. It meant a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, to kind of rewind, rewind um, I had a bit of a traumatic um, experience in undergrad with a professor. And once I was done with school, I didn't touch art for about three years. <laughs> um, I dabbled in makeup artistry as a way to create and have a creative outlet but I was kind of just so burnt out and just so sad (laughs) and just kind of creatively beat down so I had to really take baby steps into finding my creative footing again and really enjoying it (laughs) when would you say that like creative footing when when did you start getting on your creative feet again and was that around the start of posting online as bashful b like was that simultaneous or um it took a couple years like i had started painting again around 2017 um and i started just like learning watercolor i had taken some watercolor courses in undergrad and i really enjoyed it And I thought, you know, this would be an accessible way for me to create. It doesn't take up a lot of room. So I, you know, a lot of people are in like one bedroom apartments. At the time I was in a studio apartment with my ex-spouse. And so I didn't have a ton of room to create. So I just kept it 
to strictly watercolors and would just make little small paintings. And then one day I just like decided, hey, I should create a business. So um, I actually bought my LLC months before the Instagram or anything came to fruition because I was like, if I don't actually make it a reality, it won't happen. So if I have an LLC that I'm paying for, I'll have to do it. So, um, you know, I, I struggle a lot with depression and that sort of thing. So finding ways to motivate myself to actually do this, it's been a huge journey. So between 2017 and now, I've definitely scaled my business little by little. <laughs> and it's kind of like this coming together now. <laughs> So we're kind of going out of chronological order here. You know, you mentioned doing art, coming back to it around 2017, learning watercolor. Um, you mentioned, you know, college and printmaking, but let's go as far back as, we, you know, you can remember. <laughs> Do you remember your first experience, like, making art or doing something creative <laughs> and did it click in that moment or did it take a while for you to realize like hey I can do this so <laughs> I laugh because my parents actually took photos of me in this moment um I had a little it wasn't an etch-a-sketch but it was one of those toys that you like draw on and then you can like erase the things so I think I was like three or something like that or two or three and I set up like a little still life with my toys like I had a toy Minnie Mouse and like I set her up on a stool and drew her with that like etch-a-sketch toy <laughs> and like <laughs> my parents were like oh my god we're so proud of her and they took a picture of it and like on the back of it says Lindsay's first drawing, 1992. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's so cute. But I'm like, oh my God, that's so, <laughs> that's so embarrassing. No, but it's real sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very sweet. I have very supportive parents. I'm very lucky to have them. Um, but yeah, they really, they really were like, we, you have to do art. Like, you have to do this. Um, so I, you know, kept drawing. My dad, He's a press operator at the Charleston Gazette. Um, when I was little, we had first moved here in like 1998. Um, he would bring home giant rolls of newsprint, <laughs> like just blank newsprint. And I would just like draw, like I pull them out, like just like paper. It, w it, w it was always everywhere. I would always just like draw like these little um, drawings I, I really like to draw, like, houses and, like, buses and, like, kind of create these stories. It's kind of like I was playing. So, I, <laughs> like, it was just, it was very, I, I still have them. How old have been? At that moment, I've been eight. Okay, so it's almost like those placemats that you get that have like the little drawings of like the cities on them yeah so if you have your matchbox car you can be like oh i'm going down the road <laughs> yeah here. yeah which were always like my favorite yeah <laughs> yeah with. do you think that your dad kind of working in newspapers and like 
being you know the person to actually like press the newspapers do you think that is what led you towards printmaking or is that just coincidental um honestly I think it was coincidental but once I switched I started out my focus was painting at Marshall and um then I kind of fell in love with printmaking as a process like I enjoyed playing with different medium or media (laughs) and um so once I did that we had something to talk about and I learned a lot about um the process of printing newspapers (laughs) that like he had talked about when I was a kid and growing up but um I never understood before so it was like oh this is really interesting honestly (laughs) so it definitely gave us some commonality had he been in the industry so far back that he'd have to like lay stuff out or had it all gone to like a kind of like digital computerized system by then um so they are still currently um doing the old method at the paper as far as my knowledge they have presses that are very old um and they kind of run them through they have like plates that they put in each day um and take them out and so it's a very i wouldn't say archaic but it's definitely an older practice um he originally worked at the, um, what was it called? International paper. So he was printing milk cartons and like ice cream cartons, like blue bunny and all that. Um, and so he was doing that whenever I was born and up until I was eight. Um, and then my mom's from here from, um, well, from Charleston, West Virginia. So we moved here and he got a job at the newspaper doing printing but it's very interesting to me that they do still work with the old process. I would be so afraid of screwing that up. I could <laughs> me not too. do that. Like a word <laughs> or a letter would be backwards. Yeah. The misspellings, whatever. Yeah. I could it's not dangerous. Do that. Yeah. Because those papers are running. Um, one time he ended up having to go to the hospital and get stitches. He accidentally stuck his, I think it was his thumb into the press while it was running. And like, it was like, like he didn't, it didn't come off. Like his thumb didn't come off, but he definitely had to have it like sewn back together. Uh, It was very gross. (laughs) So whether it was, you know, growing up and drawing and like middle school high school art classes or college when you're switching from painting to letterpress were there any artist or art movements that stood out to you that like you really drew inspiration from um honestly Taoism which <laughs> I might have to look that up <laughs> it's been a minute um, and refresh myself but as, as far as I can remember I really enjoyed I should really look this up because I don't want to make a NASA of myself <laughs> but I'm pretty certain th- no it was Favism it was one of the two but I, I recall really being attracted to the colors um, there, it was I wouldn't say it was um, completely abstract, but it was pretty abstract. Um, 
I think it was Fauvism. I let me look this up really quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and also I really enjoyed like learning art history and that sort of thing. I had Susan Jackson who she actually passed away, but her art history courses were incredible. Um, so we were always learning different things. <laughs> um, let me look this up really quick. All right. For the listener, Lindsay is looking at her phone with her <laughs> brand new pop socket. Fauvism. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, the style of painting that flourished in France around the turn of the 20th century. Um, they used like bright colors and they did like literal sketches of actual like you know things (laughs) who were some artists in that movement um (laughs) like were there any names that stood out to you um matisse Matisse. yeah yeah Did you ever have a moment where you were walking through like a museum or a gallery or like an art show or something and you see a piece that just all it hits everything in your mind the right way and you go, oh, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen? Um. So when I was a kid, um, my parents took me to an art museum um, in Kansas City, Missouri, where I'm from, it's kind of a part of the art school there. Um, but they had a Georgia O'Keeffe exhibit, and I remember thinking, wow, this is really beautiful. Um, <laughs> um, like her use of color as a kid, that's like what I was attracted to. And I, I kind of really love like bright colors. Um, I have like synesthesia, so that kind of plays into like the way I see things and, um, anything really vibrant like that. Just, I don't know. (laughs) It's just really great. (laughs) Uh, When I went to Chicago in July, they had a couple of Georgia O'Keeffe paintings. They, you know, that very large one that had I think it's like like clouds or something but it's like very blue and very white oh yeah I have a print of it somewhere I'm blanking on the name I was walking through the art institute of Chicago and you know I exit one like gallery room thinking like okay this is just going to be like a staircase to the next section whatever and in the stairwell is just this massive Georgia O'Keeffe. Like, really? that's like, A, they have so much good art that they have to keep Georgia fucking Keith in like a stairwell room. And B, like, they might have designed the room towards that. So, it like, best exhibits the painting. Yeah. But they had a bench there too. And I just had to like sit down and just look at it. You yeah. Know? And kind of just get lost and just so pretty (laughs) and that was the and we might 
talked about this before. The idea of like, you know, artists like O'Keefe, Van Gogh, Picasso, uh, Warhol, you know, all these like capital G great, the, yeah. the masters. Yeah. Um, seeing the actual paintings that they worked on and they touched and they got close yeah. to as opposed to like pictures and textbooks it was just like oh i'm here yeah i'm here and there's the there's it's a the it's a very spiritual experience because like you know these are you read about them and i know like for van gogh or van gogh <laughs> it's very everybody says van gogh <laughs> so <laughs> i think i'm just gonna say van gogh yeah. um but like it it's very spiritual because like he wasn't very well known for his time like he really struggled as an artist like nobody bought his pieces his only one of his only sold paintings was from his brother <laughs> so i mean it it's kind of like a shared experience when you're struggling you're like i wonder if one day when i'm gone are people gonna like see this and like feel something like so it's almost like you know when you're struggling through life and that sort of thing it's kind of like a related experience that you can you're like i don't know this is more than just viewing a painting like their journey was very similar so (laughs) um i actually saw uh, starry night in 2006 um, I went to the governor's school of the arts and they took us to New York City we got to go to the Museum of Modern Art in New York and um, it it was there I was like oh my goodness <laughs> so um, it was really cool seeing that um, the uh, they were very protective of the art there at the time you know, digital cameras were very popular, so you couldn't have your flash on. You could take pictures of the work, but you couldn't have the flashes on or anything like that. Security guards would be like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> when you're vending and someone buys a piece from you, does it does it feel like almost in a way like they're taking home a piece of you with them, whether it be like who you were the moment you made that painting or the feelings you wanted to express in it or, or, or whatever? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like you could say that. Honestly, I <laughs> I have horrible imposter syndrome, so I'm like, why would anybody want to buy that? But I'm like that's cool they get they take a like a piece of my art and then they have it in their home and it like means a lot or I'll see somebody post it online or like I'll see it in the background of somebody's like photo and I'm like oh my gosh (laughs) I'm like it's there they actually like it it's crazy (laughs) so when you are sitting down at your drafting table you've got taped off and you're ready to do a a sketch or a painting or you know the work do you think about the feeling you want to express as you know you're mixing colors painting or do you just paint what you think looks good and then hope like something comes off of it you know once it's 
being finished. Honestly, when I make original pieces, I I just do it. Like I don't really there's not much thought that goes behind it. Um it's a very much like escapist thing. I always have music on in the background and then I just like to work. Um I I've recently been enjoying like cutesy pieces, like <laughs> kind of combining like comedy and art. Um, with like I don't know I did the dope frog painting <laughs> or it's dope toad um, I did get corrected it's a toad so um, <laughs> but I just was like I just really want to like play I I don't like taking myself too seriously because art is supposed to be an act of joy and in the society you know we I feel like our society thrives on burnout and you know just taking things way too seriously so I feel like if I'm able to play with the thing that brings me the most joy that is an act of resistance towards the norm you know (laughs) um I want this to be a joyful practice um so I make these cutesy tiny little things and um that brings me joy so (laughs) I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing um I really want to move into making larger pieces, but um, I've been scaling into that. So hopefully in the next year, I'll be making like bigger bodies of work. Um, but I definitely have had to do the smaller like four by six or five by seven pieces to get to that point. Um, just cause, because I enjoy it more. It, it doesn't take as long. I can kind of sit down and just do the act of painting. I, I don't have to think about it too much. It's escapism. How would you describe the progression of Bashful B from, you know, just starting out painting, I'm going to start a business, you're sitting in a studio apartment, to where it is now? Like, how would you describe that journey whether it be through your skills as an artist or your skills as a business person or uh, an artist who has to exist in this like social media space? Um, so I would say um, there's definitely progress. I am still like in my bedroom painting, so I still haven't really <laughs> evolved my space yet. But I will say I've learned so much about um business and being an artist and a business person because when you do that you have to be both you have to be comfortable with promoting yourself um and learn the ins and outs of social media like when the best times to post are you learn all of these things um I really birthed my business um in the wake of the pandemic um I use my stimulus money and I bought a scanner and a printer and then a computer (laughs) and um I used that and um a it wasn't a bad breakup it was a very amical breakup but I ended up back at my parents place (laughs) and jobless and carless and so I couldn't very I couldn't go anywhere I was very um I had to be at my parents' house in my bedroom and I was kind of forced to learn all this stuff. Like it was a lot of trial and error. Like 
um, <laughs> trying to learn all the like what paper worked with the printer. I had several panic attacks learning the editing software like <laughs> and something as simple as like the ink like installing the ink I I made it a much bigger ordeal than it had to be it's something so simple it's so easy to replace your ink I thought it was going to be a whole day ordeal <laughs> and then I opened up my printer and I replaced it and it clicked and I was like wow that was so easy um, but yeah, so <laughs> it's been a journey. It's been my child, honestly. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I made a lot of internet friends during that time as well. So um, I connected with different businesses, Witty Voyager being one. Um, and we ended up doing an earring collab together. Um, all while we were, you know, in a pandemic. Um and I, I've still never met them in person, but I would call them internet friends, you know. Um, I met Contra Dust Designs, who's a very dear friend of mine. He does really great illustrations and um, does, like, cryptids and that sort of thing. So, I mean, like, I've met all these people online, and it's just, um, it's just really crazy. Honestly, that time was very valuable, as awful as it was, as many people like passed away from that virus um it kind of forced me to slow down and really focus on what I wanted you know having to coexist and act as both artist and business person do you get to the point where you notice a certain say topic or figure or a thing within an art is like trending on the up so you think to yourself okay I need to get sales up what if I tried painting something similar and then seeing how like my version of that thing or my take on this thing does within that trending artist economy is that something you consider um I would say I think I've subconsciously done that because I'm like, ooh, I really like this thing that the, the, this artist is putting out. I kind of kind of want to play with that and make my own, like, version of that. Like, obviously, plagiarism is a huge no-no, but you, you want to make it yours. Um, you can put your own style onto things. Like, I think moths are really popular right now, mushrooms, like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So I think I've definitely, like, kind of hopped on trends. Randy um, Jeffries also pointed out that mushrooms were trending. Yeah, they're very, very popular. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and Brandy Jeffries, I love her work as well. She's so good, and I love what she's doing at the caboose. <laughs> well, she is one of those artists where if I had to name like a contemporary of yours both in form and style she would probably be the closest comparison i'd have really yeah oh that's so cool it's well, an honor you both do you know you both mostly work within like physical painting whether it be like watercolors or oils and you know at times she does more like I wouldn't necessarily say like landscape, but like thinking of her 
with in the terms of her painting places yeah she has very like full compositions um like scenery and Whether that sort of thing it'd be like an alleyway or a hot dog restaurant and yeah. then you kind of work within spaces that aren't exactly the same but you know within the same vein yeah like appalachian well it really centric <laughs> it really comes down to you're both artists who work within this physical space and then you try to get the good picture of it the good scan of it that you then take digital yeah instead of working within a more like fully digital space if that makes sense yeah yeah we're both traditional artists so that is a much faster way to say all <laughs> Oh, you're fine. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it feels like, you know, somewhere in that vein. And the idea of, like, art trending upwards within, like, I don't want to say monetary value, but, like, they sell and then there's, like, social capital ties into what yeah. we were talking about earlier within <laughs> this, like, cryptid community and you're seeing you know, a bunch of artists portray these uh, uh, cryptids and monsters within yeah. their unique ways. I feel like Keep On Creeping On is one of, like, the pioneers of cryptid art in that community. Um, I mean, there's been cryptid art before her, but, you know, it's really cool to see, like, her original take on cryptids and the paranormal, and then, you know, you see other artists do that as well, and, you like everybody has their own style their own take on it so it's it's very nobody's taking something from another person they're making it original and it, it's really cool to see um i think her name is buffy six um she has those like um cryptids that are like pinup style like lingerie cryptids <laughs> it's so cute and, and she's actually from Braxton. Oh, me. really? That's yeah, we awesome. Went to Marshall together. No way. Yeah. That's so cool. J School. I I love her work. She she does a, like really amazing little illustrations and then I don't know. Everybody has their own take on it and it, I think it I think it's really neat to see everybody do their own interpretation of like what's popular in Appalachia right now. <laughs> Is there a subject or a scene that you want to paint but you haven't taken on yet and you haven't, you know, and maybe um, uh, pre what's the right way to phrase this question? Is there a subject is there a subject or a scene that you haven't painted yet even though you would like to and are you just uh, uh, kicking that can down the road because you don't have like the scale or the size to do it the way you want to or? Yeah, I think like not necessarily the subject matter, but I think like the um, scale, I would I would love to work big. Um, I just haven't yet. And I, I think like I do have the space for at least like you know, like a desk size piece. Um, I, I definitely just, that's something I've put off because I just haven't had the time. Um, and I think that's like, honestly, a lot of it too. I do these smaller pieces because I have time constraints. So, um, 
to sit down and do a little four by six is enjoyable and fun. But I've been thinking about my work. Um, They all kind of work. If you look at them, they're zoomed in on a certain subject matter. Like I have a snail painting. It's like a little snail crawling up a tree. I have the frog piece. I mean, the toad piece. Um, I have little bees, you know. Bernie just sitting in a chair. Uh, Yeah, Bernie sitting in a chair. And I'm like, you know, all of this would work together as like a piece um so i'm trying to think of a way not to like combine all my small pieces but i could use elements so treating my pieces as sketches you know and making a bigger piece um i think i think that's kind of what's been brewing in my head (laughs) recently (laughs) um um, and I've I've been working with uh, textiles, so with fabric painting and like doing jean jackets. I want to get into screen printing um, so that I can save time. Um, as much as I like the look of the fabric paint, I think it would absolutely save time if I made a screen um, of the designs I want. <laughs> and then... I can, like, just screen print them onto the jackets and sell them for less, probably, um, as I'm currently selling them. Pricing's, like, one of those tricky things, you know. Um, It's always difficult to know what to price things because I always want to make things affordable, but I also, um, I don't want to undersell my art because I I feel that it kind of is a disservice to other artists as well. As in setting the precedent, like, oh, this is only worth $5, when it's actually worth much more because of the time and supplies, you know. You know, someone who just by nature of hanging out with you a lot at, you know, uh, vending events and just in general, someone who spends a lot of time with your work, I'd never thought about it as like the zoomed in sort of like microscopic (laughs) that's really interesting (laughs) really yeah oh cool (laughs) it'll make me like the next time i look at your stuff it'll make me wonder like what's filling out this space if i just zoom out a little like who's hanging out yeah (laughs) um you know who's uh hanging out around these bees everything i yeah, I just never thought about it like that. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, I think when I originally started doing that sort of thing, I, I liked the idea of like being a small critter on the ground and kind of like a worm's eye perspective. Um, I kind of just wanted to play around with that, like the like tiny things. I I liked you know, I like painting these like orbs <laughs> around them and that sort of thing. It, it's just like a fun thing. Um, so I think that's kind of where I was going, but I'm like, I, I think I could think bigger than that. Like, I think like I could make a composition with all like the little tiny guys. <laughs> like Being friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like, and maybe I'm saying this as like a friend more than I am like an interviewer or something. It seems like that would be a good logical next step yeah it's just you as this artist you've you know you've proven that you can do these like f- not necessarily photographic but zoomed in 
portraits, but if you just zoom out and you scale up just a little bit, you know, you don't have to zoom all the way out. But <laughs> you just take the lens back a little bit, see what fills out the space, and then you zoom out a little more the next. That's yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's really fascinating. Like the progression. <laughs> yeah. So when you're sitting down to paint something, do you have an image in your head of like, oh, I want to paint this next? Or do you start off just by doodling on a napkin or a piece of paper and then you realize, oh, this might be good to do, you know, the next step? Yeah. Um, so I approach it in several different ways. Sometimes I just go into it. Sometimes I just start painting a picture I found on like a royalty-free photography app I use, um, or, you know, or, like, pictures I've taken myself, and so I'm, like, I, I already have that. I know what I want to paint. Let's just, let's just do the thing. Um, other times, I'll try to paint a sketch I took. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it's definitely weird. <laughs> um, sometimes I write ideas down in my notes app, so, very similar to like writing comedy i feel like um i'll just write down ideas so <laughs> my notes app is just a mess um but i'm like hmm i have a series of like jacket paintings i'm like what if i tie them together and like <laughs> you know in the painting and so i have like all that written down um just kind of next step sometimes it's a whole uh, new idea so what advice would you have then for someone who is you know maybe they've painted or drawn a couple of things and maybe they're thinking hey maybe i can try doing this as a career w what would you have to say to that person who's at the very like ground level of building their like I don't want to say artistic persona but like the, their presence within like a local arts community um definitely reach out to other artists follow other artists um learn from them <laughs> you definitely want to keep those like wheels turning creatively so always be trying to put something out whether it's a small sketch I have a goal of like once a week. That's what I'm able to do at the moment. Some people sketch something every day, um, but always keep those wheels turning. Always have goals that you can reach. Um, and I think those goals honestly make it easier for you to keep going. It keeps you motivated. Um, but I think definitely networking and reaching out to other artists, making friends with artists is very important. Um, you know, we're taught in school, like, oh, they're your competition. It's very frowned upon, <laughs> honestly, in academia to, like, become friends with other artists. They're not your competition. They're there, like, we're all there to help each other. We're a community. Um, you want to build each other up. I, you know... I don't like this idea of like, oh, well, they won this juried exhibition. I should feel jealous. No, you should celebrate their accomplishment because <laughs> that's awesome. They won something. They did it. And, you know, you learn from what they're 
succeeding at, you know? Um, you always want to celebrate other people's successes, like, creatively. Um, and I think, like, just, you know, just do your best to make friends. Um, always keep those wheels turning creatively. Um, set goals. <laughs> I think I'm sounding like a broken record <laughs> right now. I mean, they are, like, the just the tried and true just tips that when you hear them as the person who's like just starting out or you're that kind of like arrogant like <laughs> teen yeah. or whatever you're like yeah i don't need to do that i'm done <laughs> but they work they work they're there for a reason um also if you live near a museum or close to one look up to see if they're doing any workshops audit a class you know um go to like art shows show up for other people because they will show up for you um and it's a two-way street yeah yeah like if you don't go and support the local community when you ask the local community to support you guess what nobody's gonna no show up gonna <laughs> <be there. laughs> you have to show up for other people um don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of your community. Um, of course, there's always going to be somebody who you don't click with, and that's okay. But, you know, the people that are there and want to be there to help you, like, those are the people that matter. <laughs> so what's next for Bashful B, then? Um, well... <laughs> about to move back in with my parents and <laughs> um just work on focusing on uh my art and uh really just like fine-tuning things about like my vending setup and trying to like figure out the things I really want to work on um and honestly where I want to go next <laughs> do you see it as an exciting thing where like most of the vending events that you have done have been in like the Huntington area yeah like yeah you've gone up and you've done these events in like Erie and these other places but if you had to make a list of all the locations most of them would be in Cabell County yeah but now that you've gotten this not necessarily post-pandemic, but this post-lockdown uh, experience in you and you're vending more, is the idea of going back to Charleston after living in Huntington so long, is that exciting to you that you'll be able to reach these audiences and this artistic community that, like, yeah, you might know and you might follow online, but you haven't necessarily sold at things like festival or taylor books or uh art walks yeah it's honestly i i think it's exciting because i when i lived there right after my separation um i didn't really have the means or resources or knowledge to network and figure out who was around me then and honestly a lot of businesses they weren't doing a lot at that time because we were in lockdown um so <laughs> I just kind of 
stayed in my room and, <laughs> and painted and tried to figure out printing issues. Um, so I think it's a, it's, it's a new, it's going to be a really exciting time, I think, because, um, I have more knowledge of what to do and how to network and that sort of thing. And uh, like, I want to make friends with people and <laughs> get involved in my local art scene, just like here. Um, and I think that's, I think that's very exciting. All right. Last question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, is there a piece of yours that, stands out as something that like you're especially proud of or it has a special place in your heart like not i'm not asking you to pick the favorite of your children oh man but uh, which child is your favorite (laughs) um i think if i had to choose a specific piece that meant a lot to me. I actually never made prints of it. It was just very personal. Um, I have it up on my Instagram from like 2020. Um, so, <laughs> um, it's a self-portrait. It's like a like a profile view of my face, um, and uh, it like. It's really dark on the outside, and then I have, like, a silhouette, or not a silhouette, uh, I don't know, like, a window in the shape of, like, my brain, (laughs) and there's, like, a forest there, Um, and during that time, I was going through a very difficult time. Well, it was, it wasn't, it was a difficult time, but it was a transitional time. It was a very positive time in my life, and I was seeing a therapist, and she kind of, um you know, talked about, like, you know, you're retraining your neuro pathways, so you're clearing out this brush in this forest, and, you know, it it's overgrown, but you're going through the forest, and so <laughs> I kind of, like, that really, like, resonated with me, and I was like, oh, man, that's, like, really beautiful. I did make a print for her, once I learned how to do that, um, but, um, yeah, so I think that might be my favorite piece that I've ever done, it's not even necessarily on a technical level good, it's, (laughs) it just means a lot to me, so, um, that one is probably my favorite. Find Lindsay Emmett on Instagram and buy her art on Etsy. I have those links in the show description. They'll be at localization at the West Edge Factory in Huntington on Saturday, October 15th. Thank you for listening to Commonplace. If you liked today's episode, I ask that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review, share with a friend. These are free ways that help the show in a big way. Commonplace is hosted and produced by me, Nathan Thomas. Our theme song is Rescio by Goodwolf from the album Car in the Woods. Join us again next week for another episode of Commonplace. Yeah.